0: Hi, I'm Alice Living, best-selling author, personal trainer, and host of Give Me Strength, where we discuss the positives of living a stronger life physically and mentally with the hope to inspire you to do the same. Welcome to Give Me Strength. My guest today is Arsenal footballer Jen Beattie, who I had the privilege of seeing win the Helen Rollison Award at the Sunday Times Sports win of the Year Awards last year. Her story of courage and tenacity in the face of adversity made me instantly want to reach out to interview her, and so I am so excited to have her here today. Um, She has said she had a late night last night, but she had a line this morning, so hopefully you're feeling fresh, Jen. (laughs) I am. Thank you so much for having me. No, it's my pleasure. I'm I'm really excited to have you on, and um, like I said, obviously, I, I hadn't heard of your story until the award ceremony last year. Was it? It was last year, wasn't it? God, that feels like a long time ago, and I just really found you know, the way that you spoke and kind of your message around everything that you've gone through, just so inspiring. And so I'd love to chat through that today. But I really wanted to start, you know, as a female football player, I wanted to hear how you got into it. You know, you grew up in a sporty household. When I was reading about you, I was like, wow, her whole family basically seemed so they're sporty. So I'm guessing it was in your blood to go into sport. It must have been. Yeah, I did. I grew up in a very sporty household. My dad and
1: my brother, uh, well, my dad was a British lion and a Scotland international rugby player. My brother is now retired as well, but he was a, a Scottish international rugby player as well. So the obvious question might be how I got into football, but yeah. I, I think I was just thrown into to all sports to be honest, and just just absolutely loved the sort of active lifestyle. And but yeah, obviously fell in love with football and continued with that. Did you play rugby as a kid? I actually didn't. Rugby was probably the one sport that my dad maybe was a bit hesitant to to let me get into. I kind of tennis, golf, hockey, football were were the kind of things that were, first and foremost were available at school and kind of that's what my friends were playing as well so no rugby but pretty much everything else
0: and the journey from i guess just enjoying it as a as a recreational thing to being a professional footballer i mean i know we're we're living in a time now where women's football is so much more accessible it's getting the airtime that it deserves but that wasn't always the case I'm guessing so you know to see yourself as a professional did you find that challenging I guess yeah look I'll be honest what when this question's asked it's, it's it's hard to put into words but
1: the job as a professional footballer didn't necessarily exist so I was I was playing fut- football purely for enjoyment you know playing with boys teams and you know I played with one of my best friends at the time as well but in all honesty bend it like Beckham Kira Knightley and that whole sort of scholarship to America was kind of that was the dream that was kind of the big thing that was potentially mm. available so I mean I remember making a UCAS application for university but but thinking about a year out as well sorry age 17 18 not really knowing what I was doing and and then that's when the opportunity to come down to Arsenal came up but yeah in all honesty the the professional football idea for a female just didn't necessarily exist when when I was a kid
0: I saw this thing on uh, Instagram the other day which was the 20 year anniversary I think it was 20 year or yeah 20 year anniversary of the uh, release of Bend It Like Beckham yeah and I just remember being like, oh my God, first of all, I can't believe it's 20 years, but also, wow, that film was so groundbreaking in so many ways. And I think it really inspired so many people to get into football. Definitely. I remember one of my birthday parties was to go and see
1: Bend It Like Beckham. If it was 20 years, so that would have made me uh, 10 or 11. Yeah. And, um, and it, I, I'll still remember it to this day, you know, taking friends with that little pick and mixes that my mom had made up to, to go and watch this film and just fell in love with the idea of playing football.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. The women's game is growing in popularity. I've seen, you know, even I've just seen things online. Um, I followed the sport for ages. I think my first kind of dalliance into women's football, I went to go and see the um, Euros in France. I think you played in Nice, I want to say. Yeah, Four, four years ago, I went to go and watch that. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, it just seems as though it's ever growing and people are more and more interested in, in the women's side of, of the game, which is great. What would you say were the obstacles that were in the way of you becoming a professional? You know, things like, I'm, you know, for, for guys, for example, it's so easy to get funding and scholarships and, um, you know, there are um, schemes that they can go into. But was that the same as a woman, and do you feel like that's maybe something that has changed or needs to change? Definitely, I, I always say, like,
1: women's football has come on so far. I always feel incredibly lucky to to have been able to see it grow from you know when I was eighteen to now, and the WSL being fully professionalized and every team playing and training full time. But I kind of, you know, we have regular discussions amongst the team even nowadays that I think if you're a female still in the in the football industry, you just have a responsibility to keep pushing and keep growing and mm. keep, you know, chapping on doors to to have conversations, even no matter what club you're at. What if you're in WSL two or WSL one? That we need big clubs like Arsenal, like Chelsea, like what Man City have done the past few years to to keep growing the game and keep funding women's teams because there are incredible players out there and incredible teams that are just trying to prove themselves. But I think one of the biggest things is probably just attitudes of of general public, kind of we've had men's football for so long but mm. now sort of realizing that women's football can be really great and we can get big crowds and there is a product there for, for people to enjoy i think that's that's
0: one of the biggest things definitely and also the sponsorship and that side of things as well is super important i'm guessing 100 i think sky sports came on board this year for our league and
1: that level of exposure you, you can you can see already that the, the game is growing even in in one season and Mm. like what you said even coming to watch i think it was the world cup in in 2019 in in nice yeah
0: (laughs) but was not my strongest (laughs) point but i was really honored to be invited i was like i have to go and watch this but when i yeah (laughs) totally but i
1: i always find that the tournament years are such markers for for how much the game is growing when when attendances or or tv viewers have increased massively and Mm. The Euros are coming up in England and I honestly think that'll be another massive turning point for women's football, especially in England.
0: Yeah, definitely. And in terms of like when you were coming up as a as a young professional, who were the people that you looked up to? Like who was really paving the way for someone like yourself to, to forge a career as you have? I th- Well, I think that was one of the the most amazing things about getting the opportunity
1: to come to Arsenal when I was 18 because... The players in that era were were Kelly Smith, Rachel Yankee, oh. Alex Scott. They were all Arsenal players. So to come down and, and have that opportunity to not just you know be playing with with role models that I looked up to, but to be training every day with them, it was it was such a, an incredible I guess turning point for me as a person and as a player. But you know I still look up to them now for what they've done after retirement, going into to coaching and stuff like that. So they're incredible players, but also amazing people for me at that time and my age.
0: Yeah. And they're becoming um, personalities in themselves, aren't they? And I think that's the great thing is that, you know, you look at players in the men's game, for example, and a lot of them will go on to have media careers or to go on to do presenting and stuff. And you're starting to see that as well happen from the women's game look at someone like alex scott and there are other people i was just watching my, my boyfriend's very into football <laughs> and um there's an amazing female presenter who i can't remember her name which is so rubbish of me but she you know sits on the main uh, sky sports reporting team and it's it's great to see that it's great to see that level of diversity at the top level sue smith that's yeah. it sue smith yeah no, she's it, brilliant
1: and is amazing and you know everyone's seen alex scott and how successful she's been in the sort of media industry and that, you know, they're the kind of people I like. I, I speak to Alex all the time and try and catch up with Kaz for a coffee every now and then as well, because it's those kind of people that have gone on to be so successful and mm-hmm. are so driven in what they do. That you know, I know I'm still playing, but you know, my, mm-hmm. my playing time will eventually come to a stop, and mm. I want to be ready for it, not just physically, but more so mentally. And those are the kind of people that you you try and catch up with to kind of just get advice, really, because they've they've gone through it and have been so successful in what they're doing. So I think it's yeah. It's definitely one thing that I'm trying to prepare myself for as
0: well definitely and now talking about your career uh I'd love to hear obviously you haven't finished playing yet but but <laughs> thus far <laughs> thus far are there any real highlights here and any things that you really cling on to as an amazing memory uh well there's it's funny you were in you
1: were in Nice for the the 2019 world cup but but that for me that that was my first major tournament so to to get there with Scotland and to to be playing at a world cup that for me felt like a dream come true or a dream that maybe didn't even necessarily exist but one of the sort of moments that I'll I'll never forget we played Argentina in the the third group game and it was at Parc de France in Paris and I actually scored against Argentina but the the thing that always makes me get goosebumps in this is it was on the same pitch that my dad had scored a try against France. And my dad didn't score many tries and I definitely don't score many goals. So to have that sort of coincidence or, you know, it was just one of the things I've got a picture of me scoring and a picture of my dad scoring. And that's definitely one of my favorite memories for for sure. That's
0: amazing. And did you know that going into the game? Did you know that he scored there? No, I actually didn't. I,
1: I had no idea. And it wasn't until after it, like my dad, my dad's uh, well humble is probably one of the main words I'd described to, to describe my dad but yeah. you know he he hadn't mentioned any anything like that and in- it wasn't until after that he sent me a little video of, of him scoring and it was just one of those incredible moments that you just think how how has that happened but yeah
0: how funny I was meant yeah. to be serendipitous yeah Um. now at the start of this episode obviously I mentioned a little bit about your story and your journey to how you won the Helen Rollison Award at the Sportsman of the Year Awards can you tell me a little bit more about why you won the award I thought I I would rather leave it to your words to explain maybe how you uh, what led you to that place yeah so
1: Again, that came completely out of the blue that that call to say, you know, first and foremost, will you accept the ward, Which was another moment I'll, I'll sort of never forget. But in 2020, so of October 2020, I was diagnosed with, with breast cancer and went through treatment for a couple of months um, and then decided to raise awareness on the subject and try and get as many people to go in and get checked and look mm-hmm. after themselves because I had a few friends that worked in the NHS. Hey. And one of the main things that they were saying that over lockdown and over COVID that the numbers for cancers being diagnosed had, had massively decreased. So I think it was it was in that moment that I kind of used or wanted to use the profile of being at Arsenal and you know, the football community, which were incredible to, to raise, to raise an important subject and to make fee- people feel encouraged, I guess, to go in and, and get checked because for me it was a it was a very safe environment. Everything felt felt really um, well looked after in hospitals even mm-hmm. in amongst COVID and I think it was a, the awareness piece that, that the BBC then rang and said, you know, we'd love to I'd award you the Helen Rollinson Award and that was definitely, you know, I, I had this conversation with my parents as well and of all the things I've, I've maybe done in football that to me is probably... The one that I'm most proud of.
0: Yeah. And I think that um look, a cancer diagnosis at any age is challenging. But I think one in someone who is a professional athlete, but Ugh. also who is 29, I think you were. Yeah. You know, like it it must have been incredibly unexpected and a really challenging diagnosis to overcome. How Did you sort of get to that point? I know you've talked about, you know, making sure that you check for lumps and bumps and all that sort of Uh stuff. Was it just a routine check that you just thought, "Mm, this doesn't feel quite right? And also, you know, being, as you mentioned, in a time of COVID, were you, you know, more, you know, because as you mentioned, a lot of people didn't feel confident enough to go to the doctors at that point. Was it sort of something that you were just like, no, I need to go and I need to get this looked at?
1: Yeah. So I obviously felt something abnormal something just didn't quite feel right okay. and I think it's at this point that I always feel incredibly lucky with the job I do because football was up and running by that point and we had a doctor on site that I was able to to ask you know can you have a feel of this what do you think and it's credit to her she, she referred me on straight away. Yeah. Um, got me a checkup appointment that I obviously needed and after a few tests that was kind of obviously diagnosis came off the back of that but I think I feel like I felt very lucky that I was able to go into work and had a doctor there on site to kind of help me through the process because you know I can totally understand why people wouldn't have wanted to go to their GP during during that difficult time.
0: Yeah definitely and you know when someone hears the words cancer you can automatically go to quite a dark place, you know, it can feel hugely Bam. ominous and scary. Being only twenty nine, you know, when you heard your diagnosis, how did you remain positive? I guess and and, and able to see that journey through and be able to stay uh, in a positive state of mind throughout your your treatment process. I think you know it it
1: was it was very unexpected. You know, I, I don't have any family history, like you said, professional athlete. You know, look after myself and it came completely out the blue so up until it was kind of diagnosed I didn't really expect that that would be the outcome but in all honesty I I think to answer your question I I just gripped on to my teammates and and the people the people around me at that time because obviously my, my family were were back home in Scotland I couldn't necessarily see my friends all the time outside of football so my team became absolutely everything and you know one of the one of the girls asked me that quite recently and you know it was like w- how did you do it how did and I honestly think it was it was the people around me you know mm-hmm. I, d- I don't think it came within me it, it came from talking about it and, and yeah. normalizing the conversation and Good. you know if I had appointments or I had stuff coming up I would I would tell the girls and and they were incredible with me I even I don't think I've said this to many people but before I had the surgery I let I let the girls feel it because I was like this is what you need to look out for like this is what it might feel like so just kind of sharing it and yeah i guess yeah that's where i found strength and in, in talking about it and leaning on people around me because i, I didn't really know what else to do but i think also I, I was lucky that it didn't limit me very much from playing football apart from the surgery one of the main things obviously i, I went through was radiotherapy and when the the doctor Advised exercise as a kind of side effect or not a side effect sorry a counteract the side effect of yeah. fatigue so when I turned around and said you know I, I, I actually play football that's my job you kind of like right okay you'll be fine just keep going yeah. <laughs> wow <laughs> but yeah but it was it was the one time where I felt normal or, or yeah. the one time where I, I didn't feel like I was going through anything it, it was my complete escape you know yeah. I, I got outside into the fresh air was able to run around and that for me was the one point during the whole process or throughout the day where I'd feel normal and I'd feel that I wasn't thinking about anything health related so that that definitely got me through it.
0: And I think it's just testament to the fact that you know, we hear about team sports and I think, you know, I, I actually, in some ways, I'm sad that at school, I was really rubbish at sport because I never got to experience like the buzz of being in a team because I never made the team. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I do really look at, you know, um, team sports. And even now I've had friends who've like joined netball teams later in life when they're older or you know, um, amateur football teams and stuff. And just that camaraderie of having people around you and the connection that sport can bring. And I think it's a real testament to the power of sport that I think it kind of disarms you of any ego or any um, kind of, you know, anything, any baggage that you might bring to that space um, and actually just allows you to be who you are and what you do within that sport on the pitch or wherever it is. Um, And I think it's really amazing to hear that that was what got you through, that it wasn't necessarily, you know, an inner strength as such, although I'm sure there was some of that, but that it was really the environment that you were in that helped you to to navigate such a difficult situation. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to Give Me Strength. When it came to coping strategies, obviously you've mentioned sport and you've mentioned your team, but was there anything else that you felt, you know, because I know that there are so many people who have gone through this or have friends that have gone through this or family members, you know, in terms of coping strategies for both yourself and maybe those around you as well, was there anything that you found particularly useful or helpful during mostly difficult times, I guess? I
1: think for me, I've, I've always found yoga really helpful no matter what I'm kind of going through. I struggled with a lot of back pain over the past few years and yoga for me has always been such a massive physical benefit but that last sort of 5-10 minutes of, of meditation at the end just allowing you to sort of be still and be within your thoughts or, or not even let your thoughts go anywhere but that for me is probably more of a mental benefit than it was a physical um, and it's still one of my most favourite times of the week is we, again we, we have a, a teacher that comes into the club and takes us through it sort of once or twice a week, and. You know I think back to to why I started it, it was for, was for my back but I think why I continued it was was definitely for for the mental aspect just having that space once or twice a week um to allow your thoughts to to come to a still and you know especially when you know my mind did go to some dark places it did go to some to some really really difficult times and when you couldn't be around your friends you couldn't be around teammates you, you I went to work but I came back home yoga was definitely that thing that I in the really tough time I maybe did two or three times a week it's probably just once a week now but that for me yeah became such a, a mental boost for me
0: yeah I I know so many people who use yoga I sort of I love yoga and I, um, I have to do it only when I'm on my own because I'm so competitive with it that if I do it in a class I'm like God, she's doing more than me, <laughs> and I don't yeah. feel like I get I get the benefits of it. But if I do it on my own, I do find that it, it's it's amazing and it and it's so yeah. powerful in times of like stress. I'm I i do not mind in saying, but I did speak to psychologists. Like they they yeah. were hugely
1: helpful throughout that time yeah. and, and taught me some things that I, I still use to this day. There's a yeah. a strategy I use called check, challenge, change. Mm-hmm. Check is when an emotional stress comes, so it's check is is why the what was the trigger why did you think like that challenge is what's the best case scenario what's the worst case scenario and what's the most probable yeah and the change is what would you say to your friend you know you're, you're giving yourself all these negative thoughts all these all these you know just things that you wouldn't say to your friend. so so what would you say yeah and that i'll be driving home from training sometimes and you know i might have picked up a niggle or or a negative thought might take over and i'll go through that process even when i'm just driving in the car and i can just feel my my shoulders drop that the weight might lift and you you just let go of those sort of negative thoughts that for me is has been one of the most amazing things that i think a psychologist has ever taught me
0: yeah that is really powerful i definitely will use that in terms of um getting your diagnosis was there anything that you learned along your journey that you think people might not know or might not expect to know you know when it comes to breast cancer i think definitely one of the things that i learned is that,
1: I mean, my background was also sport. So my background came from if something was was sore or hurt, you you went to get it scanned and it was very much black and white and you you rehabbed it over a certain time frame and then you'd be absolutely fine. Right. When I was diagnosed with breast cancer, it definitely caught me off guard How how long the process can be, how many different types of cancers there are, how many different types of treatment processes there are and also how, how it can be okay you know I think my mind definitely went to a very dark place and I'm so grateful obviously to to have had an incredible surgeon and amazing nurses around me that put me through a great treatment process and, and I, I am okay but it definitely was a surprise to me at, at, well first I had no family history so I didn't know much about it it was very okay. much a, a learning process for me throughout the whole thing okay. um, but it, I, de- I didn't know much about it at all so it was it was a lot to me to know that there are a lot of di- different types of cancer and that was very much a learning process for me
0: And so in terms of the process of recovery you had radiotherapy and an operation to remove the tumour Yeah Um. And then was your recovery sort of coming out of that?
1: Yeah so I had a lumpectomy and lymph nodes taken out under my armpit obviously and then I think I had two weeks of radiotherapy and that was Lovely because it finished right before Christmas, and then I I got managed to get a Christmas at home, which was, which was amazing. And then I take a drug called tamoxifen, which I think I take for about five years, and I will have checkups every six months for the initial two years. I think I mm-hmm. actually have one today. Later on today, ah. um, so it's quite You've apt looked- that we're we're having this chat. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it is it? I feel. I mean I was diagnosed at stage one also Mm -hmm. so I managed to to get a grip of things quite early which was also helpful for the process but I really do feel like I'm being looked after and you know checkups are there for a reason and of course I feel anxious and, and nervous about it I always feel anxious when this time comes around but they're there for a reason and they're there to be checked and you know it's, it's part of the process and it's, it's now part of my life.
0: Yeah. And it's something that we should all be doing, you know, checking for lumps and, and knowing how to do that as well is really important. And you you said at the start, you've made it your mission to to raise awareness, particularly within, you know, your, uh, you're the same age as me and I, in sort of our age group and that younger age group who might not think to necessarily check themselves as regularly or go to the doctors if something doesn't feel quite right. Um, have you got any advice for people... Um, who are listening to this and thinking okay yeah maybe I should start to just take a little bit more awareness of my boobs and other bits and um, you know where to start with all of that. Yeah so as when I was younger I, d- I don't think I
1: really knew how to how to check properly you know but obviously having gone through the process of, mm. of being diagnosed with something you know you, you learn how to how to check properly but the advice I was given by the nurses was the best time to check is sort of day between day six and ten of your cycle so normally uh-huh. when you come off your period yeah. uh, once a month because your breast t- tissue can can change a lot with your cycle as as we all know yeah. um, and with hot soapy water in the shower that is the best and most easiest way to check if there's any change or anything that feels different so that was the best advice I would give them, and that's the one that I would always kind of say to anyone who asks and you know it, it might sound silly but the, there'll be times where again like you're saying the benefits of team sport there'll be times Mm. where even we'll be in the shower and i'll be like right okay quick boob check Mm. um and and the girls will do it and it's great Mm. like because it is it is important Uh, but i definitely didn't know the time around your cycle how Mm. breast tissue can change over the course of a month based on that and it's it's such important information that that people should know
0: yeah definitely and I think as well one of the things that I remember being taught I've had a friend who's gone through breast cancer and she just said as well get to know your normal because everyone's breast tissue is going to feel different so you know if you know your normal and what your normal feels like yeah, you're very much aware of if something then feels abnormal to, to where you're normally at so I think that's that's really good tips and I, I didn't know the hot soapy water so that's a good one yeah. they do say shower is the best time because yeah. you're sort of you know able to do it nice and yeah. easily in terms of your experience overall, is there anything that you feel like this has taught you? Do you have any sort of like new approaches to life? I guess when anything happens to you that's a shock and a kind of, I guess, of re- rethink about where you're at in your life it kind of can spur you to do different things or to behave differently or to to go after new opportunities, for example. Is there anything that you feel like this has taught you or do you do anything differently as a result? Yeah, I do. It, it might it might sound cliche or
1: surprising, but I, I remember a friend saying to me who actually works in, in cancer research, saying, you know, Jen, there's life before football and then, there, sorry, there's life before cancer and then there's life after cancer. And it genuinely it does it it changes your whole perception on life and what I worried about before just doesn't really come into the picture now I think I appreciate I appreciate football and my job way more than I probably ever did I I knew I was lucky to to do the job I do but I genuinely love I love my job it's it's so enjoyable the fact that I get to play football with mates for a living is just I feel so appreciative of it it also makes me think about life beyond football though what I want. What else do I want to achieve? Obviously, I've I've made it the forefront of maybe most focus throughout my whole life up until this point. But I think now I'd love to look beyond that and what else am I interested in? What What would I like to do outside of football and and when yeah. I retire? So it's, it's definitely made me appreciate things to a whole new level. Um, yeah and look forward to, to things after football and, and when I retire.
0: And can you give us an insight into what that might look like? What's on the horizon?
1: <laughs> for me, I, you know, I, I obviously, I played with Alex for a little bit and but you know, Strictly Come Dancing might not be for me. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd love to go down the media route. Yeah. My dad obviously does that often in, in Scotland for BBC Scotland. So I'd like to to follow in his footsteps. And But to be honest, I just need to try things. I love mm. podcasts I love listening to podcasts <laughs> so yeah that'll be kind of my next focus actually Arsenal have been, have been great and, and spoken about that and sort of helping develop me for an academy ambassador role and maybe working with things on the c- c- commercial side of football um, Nice. so yeah
0: I think it's nice to be in a position where the background that you have is, can be a real springboard into lots of exciting things not necessarily just going down one route and kind of, um, you know, boxing yourself in. There's so many amazing things that you could that you could do. Um, I love the idea of the media stuff, but I also think that how exciting that you can throw yourself into lots of different things. I think the podcasting thing is great, and even just as an ambassador, I think you're an amazing role model for so many people who would want to go into the sport, particularly young girls. Um, so I think that sounds really exciting. Um, and in terms of what the future holds, apart from the work stuff, is there anything else that you are looking forward to? Particularly, you know, you haven't finished playing football yet, so yeah. so what do what do the next two years have in terms of um, in terms of your your sport and um, what you want to get from it? There's still so much I obviously want to achieve in football, and
1: um, lifting trophies for Arsenal was one of the main reasons that I came back here and, and wanted to sign. So, um, yeah. you know, the enjoyment aspect is through the roof, but to, to lift a trophy with Arsenal would just be basing on the kick
0: well I have my fingers crossed for you and I also just want to say like amazing amazing achievement that you have come out the other side of something incredibly challenging um, and the fact that you're now using your platform to raise awareness I think is huge and I think particularly and you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to get you on is you know in healthy young populations I don't think cancer spoken about enough and I think there to is. see a professional athlete come forwards and say you know even myself as you know Picture of health to everyone outside of you know your circle. Mm. Uh, this also happened to me. I think that's really really important. Um, I'm not saying that there's any specific type of person who would get cancer, but you know I think that having a conversation yeah. about you know checking in, in young women and young people um, is a huge thing. So I, I really mm. am so grateful for your job in raising awareness and and your very deserving award, uh, which I saw you win. No, thank you so much. I think that was definitely
1: one of the biggest things for me is when. I started to talk about it was 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 really realizing how common it actually is yeah i think that until you go through something you don't realize a lot of people are going through a similar process so so yeah. so speaking out actually made it so much easier for myself and well, yeah. hopefully a lot of other people too
0: yeah i really hope so well jen thank you so much for your time i'm really really grateful and um yeah we can't wait to see what comes of you i'm sh- i i hope to maybe see you on Strictly come dancing sure, one not. day maybe who knows who knows <laughs> no, thank you have so a much. great rest of your day thank you so much thank you so much for having me thank you so much for listening I really hope you enjoyed that episode I would love it if you could take some time to rate your view and follow the podcast as it really helps others to find it we have a new episode dropping each week so this will also ensure you don't miss out see you next time Insanity Group